Welcome to the Will and Aaron Show with William Kramer and my co-host Aaron Bonnberger. We cover local sports including the NIC and NLC conferences, plus teams in St. Joseph and Elkhart counties. We also cover college and pro sports. Today we will recap high school football week nine and preview high school football sectionals, IHSA cross country and soccer tournament updates, discuss college football, NFL, MLB, and the NBA. Aaron, we got a full slate for this episode. Yeah, we do. So let's start with topic number one, high school football week nine recap. We had some interesting matchups. Let's start with New Prairie and Elkhart. New Prairie came out hot right from the start as they jumped out to a 21-7 halftime lead. Now, I actually picked New Prairie to lose this game, so uh, I was completely wrong. Wow, what a shocker. New Prairie came out uh, and just dominated 6A Elkhart Lions. The Cougars made it 28-7 on their first drive of the second half. Noah Mangia ran wild for 279 yards and a touchdown. Of course, the quarterback, Marshall Kamisic, ran for 160 yards and two touchdowns. And the offensive line for New Prairie just played very well, controlled the line of scrimmage, uh, and they were complimented by uh, the defense. Really, all phases of the game, New Prairie just, just played well. Uh, New Prairie coach said that they played the most complete game of the season as the Cougars finished second in the East-West Division of the NIC, right behind the Penn Kingsmen. Now, the way New Prairie won this game will send a message to sectional opponents. You know, Aaron, this is a dangerous team that I think can make a deep run in the playoffs. Yeah, what a, what a great win that was for them. Didn't see it coming either. So, Jimtown... And Riley played for the NIC North-South Division Championship. And Jimtown won 19-7, earning their second straight conference title. Now, the Jimtown defense forced four turnovers, including two in the first half, that helped set up Jimtown scoring opportunities. The secondary, which we were a little bit critical on the show last week, um, they play much better against Riley's wide receivers. Connor Watts' one-yard touchdown run opened the scoring for the Jimtown Jimmies. Now, after a fumble recovery by the Jimmies' defense, Bishop Williams, the quarterback, connected with Caden Rogers for a 21-yard touchdown pass to make the score 12-0. Jimtown added another score early in the fourth quarter. Riley got on the board when... Robert Nebu rumbled 28 yards on a fourth and one for a touchdown. A lot of people doubted this Jimtown team earlier in the season, uh, especially this senior class, uh, considering what they lost from last year's senior class. To win seven games in an outright conference title just speaks volumes to how much this team has grown and the leadership of this senior class. So I want to say congratulations to Coach Stoner and staff, players, the entire Jimtown community. Uh, Jimtown is a special place. They love their football, Aaron. Yes, they do. So St. Joseph and Marion, the Holy War. Uh, this was an intriguing matchup considering that both programs are uh, uh kind of struggling, if you will, um, not playing the best football that we've seen both programs play in the years past. Um, St. Joe is victorious in the Holy War for the first time since 2018. They outgained Mary in total offense by 127 yards, um, and it was a Laniger score, four-yard touchdown that forced overtime uh, 21-21 off. Now, Hayden Miller knocked away Mishawaka Marion's last-ditch effort in the end zone on fourth down to secure the win. That was after St. Joe had scored uh, in the overtime. 
So yeah. congratulations, St. Joe, on winning the Holy War for this year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I heard on social media this was like the first overtime game in this Holy War series. Yeah, um, it was, which is surprising considering yeah. all the years they played this uh, this great rivalry game. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if either team can make a run in the postseason. Now we turn to the NLC. Um, first up, Concord won 52-0 against Plymouth. Concord took care of business in this one. They won the battle up front in all phases of the game. Five different Minutemen scored a rushing touchdown in this one. And they had a total of 300 yards rushing. Quarterback Hudson Glands had one rushing touchdown and one passing touchdown. And he threw it to Connor Morris. Uh, Lance Army and Armin Kultukin led the Concord D in this one with four and a half and three and a half tackles each. Moving on to Northwood, 42, Goshen 6. The Panthers finish an impressive regular season with a perfect 9-0 record. They also clinched their first conference championship since 2018 after a really impressive second quarter that saw them score on four straight possessions against the Red Hawks. Owen Raider had another four-touchdown game as he continued to use his plethora of playmakers in this one. Goshen will get a week off, and then they host the conference foe Concord in their sectional matchup. Moving on to Mishawaka and Wawasee. Mishawaka won 54-21. Cavemen wrapped up their second-place finish in the NLC. They haven't finished below third since joining the NLC. In this game, Wallacey opened up an early 7-6 lead in the first quarter, but Mishawaka seized control in the second quarter, scoring 21 points to Wallacey 0. Offensively, Mishawaka was led by Chaz Hardy with three touchdowns, and Novell Miller added two more on the ground. And Brady Fisher threw a touchdown pass to Bean Smith in this one. The Cavemen outgained the Warriors 463 to 211 yards. And the lights out defense was led, led by Isaac Valdez, 11 tackles, Caden Williams, 9, Carmine Orzoko, 6 tackles and 2 sacks, and Balin Eby had 5.5 tackles and 3 sacks. Yeah, so then the final, the one of the more, I guess, evenly matched games was Warsaw Northridge. Warsaw won 35-21. to 21. You know, I was able to watch the second half. Shout out to IHSATV.org. Really helpful when you can't get to the game. Uh, Warsaw finished in third place after winning this game. In the NLC, that is. Uh, they were led by Jermaine Flores-Ortega's five rushing ta- touchdown performance, which ties a school record. And he's the fifth Tiger to do that in their school history. He carried the ball for 30 times for 166 yards. And quarterback Drew Sullivan rushed for 179 yards as well. I didn't realize this, but after the game, I guess uh, it was reported that Warsaw was without 10 players due to suspensions. But the Tigers overcame this. They overcame some adversity in the first half. and. Pretty much dominated the fourth quarter, and the Tigers' O-line was able to really push the ball around, run the ball like they wanted to in this one. Warsaw will get a week off, prepare for their battle with Elkhart in their sectional. And we'll talk more about the Raiders coming up. Any thoughts on the NLC, Will? You know, just two thoughts as you were talking there. One was, I was surprised that Wallace C was able to put up points, 21 points on Mishawaka. Uh, my initial thought was, well, that must be in garbage time, but it looks like the, uh, Wallace C actually had to lead in the first quarter, so a little yeah. bit surprised by that. Um, and then, you know, Warsaw, congrats to Coach uh, uh, Curtis for... Um, finishing up the season strong with a solid win against a, a solid program. 
Um, I can't wait to see what both Warsaw and Northridge uh, do in the sectional coming up. Yeah, Warsaw's in that heavyweight sectional that we'll talk a lot about probably next week. Um, yeah, so we'll all see, man. I didn't see that coming either. They're, I guess looks like they threw the ball around quite a bit. So Mason Shoemaker and their quarterback had a pretty good game. All right, let's turn to uh, topic two here, sectional previews. Just to update everyone on our picking high school games, I'm currently at 27-4, and four, and Will is at 27-5. and five. So we had another strong week. I think I missed the Warsaw game, and you did the New Prairie one. Yeah, I missed the New Prairie one. All right, so... We're going to save the 5A and 6A because they have buys this week, so we'll save it for the next episode. So the the one section I'll be talking heavily about is sectional 18, where the 4A schools reside. And we got Wallace C, 1-8, going to Logansport, who is 7-2. So here's kind of my outlook on this one. I don't know a lot about Logansport, but it looks like they've beaten some pretty good teams in their conference. Wallace C's had trouble really, in a way, competing with the better teams in the NLC this year. Uh, their closest games was a 10-point defeat to a healthier Goshen team in Week 3, and then an 11-point loss to a pretty good West Noble team in Week 2. Logansport, on the other hand, has uh, only two losses in their conference to the champion in Harrison, who won the North Central Conference, and Kokomo, who finished second place. Logan Sports averaging over 30 points a game, and Wallace gives up more than 30 points a game. I feel like the berries of Logan Sport advance in this game. They lost a close one last year to St. Joe, so this will be a better matchup for them and result. The second game, Northwood will travel and face South Bend, Washington. The Panthers are focused. I think Coach Andrews has them on a roll, and they'll win the battle of the Panthers in this one. Too much talent, and they I don't see them getting upset in this game. Then you got 3-6 and six St. Joe going to Plymouth. St. Joe's coming off that big win we talked about in the Holy War, and I think that success will carry over here. The Indians should cruise in this one. And probably the the more intriguing game on paper is Northridge five and four. We'll be traveling to Riley to take on the Wildcats, who are five and four too. The TV forty six game of the week for good reason, I think. If you look at all the matchups, this is probably one of the better ones. Uh, both teams are playing pretty well to end the season. They're both on. Uh, I guess not. I guess they're both went four and two. In their last six games, both teams are coming off a loss in their final game of the season. How do you see this one going, Will? I'll ask you first, and then I'll I'll answer my question to you. Well, let's look look at the conferences as a whole, NLC and NIC. I was doing a little digging here. The NLC as a conference has had the better of the NIC um, the NIC East-West Division alone poses a challenge to the NLC. But the NLC top to bottom, I feel, is a better conference than the NIC. Now, of course, we're talking about football here. Northwood is 8-2 and two in the past 10 games against the NIC team. That might surprise some folks. 8-2, and two, the Raiders. Northridge football, 8-2 against the NIC conference. As compared to Riley, who is 0-10 against the NLC. Now, the Wildcats are getting better, and I got to give a lot of credit to Coach Lee. He's done a nice job turning returning the program to relevancy after a two-year struggle. Uh, but, however, Northridge just last year went to the state finals. I was there, watched the game. It was a great environment. Uh, the whole entire Middlebury community was there. I felt like strong support. It was it was a wonderful experience. And that experience, along with the tough schedule this year, I just think they have the advantage 
I like the Raiders to win this game. I think I agree with you there. Close. I can see it being a closer game, maybe, than some might think. The only common opponent has been South Bend Adams, and Northridge blew them out in week one. And the Wildcats took the Eagles to double overtime in week three. But like you were saying, I think, yeah, there's Northridge's schedule is bolds well for them and how they've their past success. So I think they're ahead of Riley right now in terms of what it's what it takes to win in the postseason. But I I mean, anything can happen. Everyone's zero and zero as I'm sure every coach is telling their team. Uh yeah, so I, I like the Raiders too in this one. You know, it's interesting. I'm looking at the AP poll right now. Northwood is ranked fifth in 4A. New Prairie is eighth. You look at 5A, Mishawaka is ranked fourth. Um, Penn and Elkhart are tied for 10th, but, you know, the this is week eight poll. They haven't came up, come up with the week nine poll. Elkhart will drop out of the top 10. Uh, Penn should be alone by themselves and uh, in the rankings. Um, Mitchell probably will stay at four. Uh, New Prairie might climb up from eight, maybe to seven. Yeah. With, that was a huge win against Elkhart. Uh, 3A, no area teams are receiving votes in the AP poll. Mm. Maybe Gentile might get a vote or two this week. That's the only time I think of. Yeah. Uh, of course, Lovell is third and two A. They got so, the perfect season so far. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, the Sagarin ratings. If you look at the Sagarin ratings, uh, they have Northwood as the twenty-first ranked team in the state in sectional wow. eighteen. That's yeah, pretty good. They have a good path to get out of this. Northridge is 83. So you look at Central 18, and I know we're going to hand ourselves here, uh, but Northridge and Northwood should come down to those two teams. All right, so before uh, we'll previews a few games, we'll just briefly mention in Sectional 33, LaVille, 9-0 and hosts 4-4 and Whiting, the Oilers, and then Bremen will host Wheeler Bearcats, who are 3-3, three and three, and we'll see how far these two teams can go as well. Well, in sectional 33, uh, it's really a two-team sectional. You got uh, the second-ranked um, Andrian, uh, I'm sorry, yes, the Andrian 59ers, they're second-ranked at 6-2. Oh, and then right. your third ranked uh, LaVille Lancers. Wow. You have two of the top three teams in the state in one sectional in Class 2A. That's just unfortunate that only one of them can advance. Yeah. But um, Bremen, I think Bremen should win that game. They should be able to beat Wheeler. Yeah. Okay, let's look at Marion at West Noble. Marion, of course, is two and seven on the season. West Noble is seven and two. Now, if you only look at the Rikers, you might think that West Noble is a huge favorite. I don't believe that is the case. Both teams lost in a similar fashion to Angola. If you look at the the scoring, Marion played a tougher schedule. Of course, I'm biased to the NIC conference as compared to the NECC conference. West Noble wants to run the ball, whereas Marion, I think, is more balanced. Uh, Marion has won three straight regionals. Folks, don't forget that. Marion Knights has won three <laughs> straight regionals. That means they played in three straight semi-states. That, that alone should scare the, the opponents in sectional uh, 26. Um, I think this game will be decided late in the, in the game. I, I don't think that West Noble is going to blow out Marion. Um, I have Marion, this is going to surprise a lot of folks, but I have Marion beating West Noble on the road and reminding everyone in such no 26 that they are still to be someone to be reckoned with. 
Uh, yeah, I know they've only <laughs> won two games, but you look at their losses and who they played. Yeah. I'm telling you, this Marion team, when it when it comes to sectional 26, I think they can still do make some noise. Now, uh, are they the favorites? N- no. Now, if you look at the Sagarin ratings um, for sectional 26, this might surprise our listeners, but Knox is actually ranked number one in our sectional, or in sectional 26, I would say. Yeah. The uh, second ranked team in the sectional 26 is not Jimtown. A lot of folks would think it'd be Jimtown. It is actually West Noble, followed by Jimtown, followed by John Glenn, Fairfield, and then Marion. So, um, it's interesting, you know, I, I think the Sagar rating is fun to look at. Um, I don't know if it would be the, the in all the end all uh uh parameter, but it is it is a factor when you look at things. Um but yeah, I just think Marion can um put a scare into West Noble, even though the records are complete opposite. Uh Fairfield Falcons five and four at John Glenn, also five and four. Uh both of these teams, Aaron, started the season well, only to struggle in the middle of their season. Mm-hmm. It just feels like John Glenn is playing better football right now than Fairfield in recent weeks. You know, I actually saw John Glenn last week when they played Washington, and I was impressed with their quarterback, Aiden Johnson. He's a guy that can use his feet and also hurt you through uh, the air using his arm. The running back, Mason Cobell, he's a low to take down, uh, big running back. And their wide receiver, we talked about him before, their stud, Tyron Larkin. Uh, he's going to be someone that Fairfield really has to uh, um, keep an eye on. Now, John Glenn is more balanced on offense. We'll try to keep Fairfield's defense guessing. Glenn needs to stop Fairfield's rushing attack because that's what the Falcons want to do. They want to run the ball. And I just think I like John Glenn at home. I, I like that the that the Falcons have played a tougher schedule, and I have John Glenn winning this game and advancing in the tournament. Nice, pretty wide open sectional. Um, I'm assuming you have you have Jimtown cruising against Clay, and Knox beating Lakeland. We kind of touched on Knox here. Yeah, yep. Uh, your assumptions are correct. <laughs> Jimtown will beat Clay. And Knox, we just mentioned their uh, Sagarin rating uh, for sectionals. They're number one. Uh, Russ Racky is a longtime coach. He's had success in North Judson, New Prairie. Um, anywhere he goes, he has success. And he, I'm telling you, if people don't know about Knox football, they're going to know about Knox football real soon because they are a team they reckon with. They are a dangerous team right now. They run the ball very well, and it would not shock me if they made some noise in sectional 26 this year. I'm, I'm telling you, people need to be aware of that. Nats football. <clears throat> okay. Uh, we are going to take a short break, and when we return, we're going to talk about some of the other IHSAA fall sport tournament results. You can listen to the Will and Aaron Show podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube and like our videos. Follow us on Twitter at Will Aaron Show. You can follow the Will and Aaron Show Facebook page where you can interact by commenting, liking, sharing, and reviewing our podcast. Welcome back to the Will and Aaron Show where we talk about a local college and pro sports we're going to kick off our next topic topic three and talk about ihsaa fall sport tournament results girls cross country uh new prairie senior lillian zelaska won the chesterton regional with a time of 17 minutes 55 seconds so congratulations to lillian well done we wish you the best of luck in the semi-state of course, she wasn't the only one. Penn wins the Elkhart Regional as a team, so congratulations to the Kingsmen for winning that regional. And 
pins Mary Newbank wins the Elkhart Regional by three seconds. So what a crazy finish that was yeah. to the Girls Cross Country Regional. We want to wish both New Prairie and Penn the best of luck in the semi-state. Boys Cross Country, Northridge Raiders win the Elkhart Regional with an average time of 16.23. William uh, Boschke, uh, Mishawaka wins the Regional with a time of 15 minutes and 45 seconds. So congratulations to all the winners and, and best of luck as you race in the semi-state. And then it's girls soccer, class 2A in the Marion Regional uh, semifinal game. Mishawaka Marion won 7-0 against Northwood. So congrats to the Lady Knights. And then the final, they would go on to beat West Lafayette 1-0. Yeah, so best of luck to them as they move on to semi-state. And then in boys' soccer, we have the Class 2A Marion semifinal. Marion defeated Northwood 1-0. to And then the regional final, they beat West Lafayette 2-1. So Marion Knights move on to semi-state. Best of luck to them. And then in the 3A Penn Regional, Number 15, Penn, beat Goshen 5-4 to four in the semifinal. And then they would take down Lake Central 2-1 to one in the final. Best of luck to the Knights and Kingsmen as they advance in the state tournament. How exciting. We have the Marion Knights, both boys and girls in the semi-state. And, of course, Penn in the semi-state. That's awesome. Yeah. And in the volleyball sectionals, we want to say congratulations to the following sectional winners. New Prairie Cougars, the Northwood Panthers, and the Warsaw Lady Tigers. Congratulations to those three schools and best of luck uh, as you uh, play in the semi-state. Yeah. Let's move on to topic number four, college football. Uh, starting off with Stanford's stunning victory against our Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, 16-14. I was actually at this game. Uh, it, just a lackluster effort by the Irish. Two costly fumbles by Drew Pine and Audric Estime paved the way for Stanford to win their first FBS win of the season. Now, even despite... <clears throat> excuse me. Even despite how poorly Notre Dame played throughout the game, they were still in position to win the game. They were driving in the fourth, late fourth quarter. Uh, they were only down two. Uh, so all they had to do was get in field goal position. But, of course, the, the late fumble by Estime turned the tide. But even then, they got a three. Uh, they got um, uh, the ball back. And, uh, of course, they weren't able to do anything with that. Now, credit Stanford for executing and playing at a high level in college football. If you don't bring your A game, then anyone can beat you. Drew Pine needs to play better football, completing less than 50% of his passes for an average of five yards just is going to cut it. Stanford had two sacks and six tackles for loss. The offensive line needs to play better as a unit. Now, Notre Dame fans need to have patience with this team and with Coach Freeman. We are used to winning a lot of games of recent in the last few years, and credit Brian Kelly for that. People have to remember that BK lost to Navy and Tulsa in back-to-back weeks in his first year as head coach, and the team at that time was 4-5. and five. Now, there's still a lot of season left for the Irish they need to learn from this and continue to uh, build and get better. But, you know, it is Coach Freeman's first year, and I think we all knew that going in, that it, it could, we could be in for kind of a back-and-forth year. So, uh, you know, enjoy the wins, but also let's have patience uh, when, when we don't win the games we should. Maryland 38, Indiana 33, Connor Bezalet threw two interceptions, and Addison um, Kobe had a costly fumble late in the fourth quarter as IU was driving for the game-winning score. 
it seems like it's the same story for this Indiana team with self-inflicted wounds. Just can't get over the hump. The offense is not consistent enough to win these games. And until they can figure out uh, the answer to the offense, uh, they're just not going to put a lot of W's in the winning column. Uh, so uh, mistakes continue to pile up for this Indiana team. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a problem that Coach um, needs to resolve uh, if they want to win games down the road. Then Purdue beat Nebraska 43-37. to This one felt like a Big 12 game, Will. Little defense, a lot of, a lot of offense in this one. Aiden O'Connell threw four touchdowns, and Devin McCoby rushed for 178 yards. Purdue needed this one to keep their Big Ten title hopes alive, and the Boilers can still dream about making a trip to Lucas Oil Stadium. The Boilers are tied with Illinois currently at the top of the Big Ten West standings, and both teams will have some work to do before they meet in November. I'm telling you what, Aaron. Uh, I watched the highlights of that game. There was a lot of red in the stands, and I know Nebraska is not Nebraska of old, like like we know it to be, mm-hmm. but this is a big win. Let's not overlook yeah. how big this win was for the Purdue Boilermakers. I mean, you were talking about the Nebraska Cornhuskers, a proud program. They're going to turn this thing around before you know it. They'll be back to Nebraska, Nebraska football. So now's the time to beat up on them and get some wins. Uh, but a huge win for Purdue. Now, let's look at some notable scores throughout college football. And these rankings are from the previous week, not the most current rankings. Um, number 22, Kentucky. Play number 16, Mississippi State, and they won 27-17. to Will Levis returns from injury to lead the Wildcats to an, this huge upset win. And number 18, Syracuse knocked off number 15, NC State, 24-9. Garrett Schrader threw for 210 yards and two touchdowns and also ran for 81 yards in this one. The Orange Men are now 6-0. For the first time since 1987. Wow. The Orange Men are relevant in football. Now, that Carrier Dome was rocking. It was a sold-out crowd. Uh, It's just great to see the Carrier Dome electrify like that. It's just great for college football. It's great when Syracuse is good at football. I'm excited for them. They got a huge game. We're going to talk about that game coming up uh, with uh, Clemson. Now, number 13, TCU, beat number 8, Oklahoma State, 43-40 to in overtime. Matt Duggan, he does it again. That guy is a stud. He threw for two touchdowns and ran for another. The Horned Frogs have won three straight games against ranked opponents. That's impressive. And number 20, Utah, knocks off number 7, USC, 43-42. to Cameron rising outdueled Caleb Williams, scoring the winning touchdown late, and then they converted a two-point conversion. And the Trojans are no longer in control of their college football playoff destiny, destiny, and will need some help from other teams around the country. Wow, what a huge win for the Utah Utes and Coach Willingham, um, or Winningham, I should say, uh, and. Uh, Maybe they feel like they salvaged their season a little bit. I mean, I mean, they're not going to get to the college football playoff, but for the Utah Utes, uh, I mean, that was a huge win. Uh, and I saw a stat. It was the first time they won back-to-back games against the Trojans since, like, 1915-1916. So, wow. huge, huge win. Number five, Michigan, and number 10, Penn State. A lot of buildup for this game, Aaron, because yeah. everybody thought it was going to be a close game, and it was for the first half. But then it got a little chippy in the in the hallway there between Michigan players and Penn State players, and I think that upset Michigan a little bit. They came out in the second half and just dominated. Yeah. In fact, Michigan ran for over 400 yards and exploded in the second half to take control of the game. Yeah, what a win for the U, uh, or not the U, <laughs> the Maize and Blue. Um, number six, Tennessee. Knocks off Alabama, 52-49. to 
the game of the year so far in college football. Tennessee had control of the game for the first half, and then the Roll Tide came back in the second half. Alabama had a go-ahead field goal missed late in the game. And then the volunteer quarterback, Hooker, led the game-winning drive. And Chase McGrath kicked the game-winning 40-yard field goal as time expired. And Knoxville was rocking after that. Oh, man, were they ever. In fact, they were rocking so much that the fans <laughs> actually tore down both field goal posts, carried them out of the stadium, and dumped them into the local river there. <laughs> <laughs> that That is, I was reading, that is thousands and thousands of dollars that Oof. they now have to replace the field goal post. And so the uh, Tennessee Athletic Department is doing a fundraiser. I think they've got like, I don't know, sixteen, eighteen thousand dollars $18,000 or more. It's probably more <laughs> than that. But um, wow. what a game, what an atmosphere. And if you're a Tennessee volunteer, it feels like the days when Peyton Manning and T. Martin were roaming the sidelines as quarterback, yeah. um, and and Fulmer was was head coach when they ruled the SEC back back uh, a long time ago. But Tennessee beats Alabama for the first time in a long time, and uh, wow, 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 Bam, Bama goes down. Yeah, don't say that very often, do yeah, it's not common to say that. So Aaron is ten and five in his college football picks. I am eight and nine. Uh, it's time to do our college football picks for the following uh, weekend of games. Uh, Twelve o'clock on ABC, the six and zero, fourteenth ranked Syracuse Orangemen go on the road to face seven and zero. Fifth-ranked Clemson Tigers. Uh, actually, Aaron, this is your game to pick. Oh, okay. Man, it'll be a story if Syracuse can pull this upset off. Uh, I think Clemson is just too talented and deep for the Orange. I I mean, I'm hoping they can pull the upset, but I'm picking Clemson in this one. I agree. I think this is where the uh, Cinderella story, I don't even want to call it Cinderella story, I think this is where all the good feelings kind of end because yeah. this Clemson team is quietly, quietly uh, getting back to what, we, what we've what we seen Clemson to be. Uh, also at noon, 3-4 three and four Indiana at 3-3 three and three Rutgers. Uh, if this game was at home, uh, Indiana, I would be tempted to pick the Hoosier. But playing on the road against an improved Scarlet Knights team is tough. Until the offense can show more consistency, I'm going to continue to pick against the Hoosiers. So I've got Rutgers winning this. Perhaps a close game, perhaps not. Who knows? It's a good strategy. <laughs> Picking against IU. Uh, then at 2.30, I think this is your game, Will. Um, Peacock, 4-3, and three, UNLV at 3-3, three and three, Notre Dame. So Notre Dame takes out his frustration on UNLV. I believe that the Irish are going to win this game. They are a 24-point favorite. I'm going to take the under on that just because I don't trust the offense to beat UNLV <laughs> by 24 points. Um, I don't even know if we can get 24 points on the scoreboard, Aaron. But uh, until the passing game gets better, um, I think – I use offense is going to be uh, kind of limited. So I'm going to take Notre Dame in the win, but they're going to win by two touchdowns or less against UNLV at home. So then at 3.30, ABC, 5-2, and two, number 20-ranked Texas, 5-1, and one, number, number 11, Oklahoma State. And I'm going to go against the ESPN matchup predictor in this one. I kind of like the Cowboys to win at home. They have been they've beaten kind of the better teams so far in their conference in the Big Twelve. So Texas is a good good team, and I think this will be a good win for the Cowboys. Could Oklahoma State have been looking ahead to the Texas game because they they did yeah. lose last week, uh, oh, and, and they'll right. be they'll be ticked off. The Cowboys mm. are going to be ticked off. So I could see that. I could see that. Good pick. Three thirty on CBS. 7-0, oh, number 7, Mississippi, at 5-2, LSU. 
BK has the Tigers at five and two. I don't know how many people would have said that uh, when he took the job that uh, they would be a five and two at this point. Now we're going to see how good this LSU Tiger football team really is as the second half of the season is really tough. And it starts with the Rebels. Mississippi is a one and a half point favorite. Uh, LSU has the tougher schedule so far. I think LSU feeds off the home crowd. I really like LSU to win the, a very close game. I, I like Brian Kelly and, and his system and, and how he coaches. And I just think that the Tigers at home with the crowd are just going to be a little bit too much for this Mississippi team. And another intriguing game at 3.30. Number 9, 6-0 UCLA visits Eugene, Oregon to take on the number 10 Oregon Ducks, who are 5-1. and one. Ooh, this one is a good one. Uh, both teams, if you look at their stats, are pretty identical. The Bruins have beaten better teams so far in the Pac-12. I'm really torn in this one, but I think I'm going to lean UCLA to get the huge road win. So UCLA is practically a Big Ten school, so go UCLA. <laughs> but if you're a Pac-12 fan, you got to hope that UCLA wins because Oregon beats UCLA, then they're all going to eat each other because, you know, Washington's already lost. Uh, Utah just gave USC a loss. And when USC beats UCLA, but then Oregon beats USC, I mean, it, yeah, UCLA is the best hope right now for the Pac-12 to make the college football playoff. On ESPN at 3.30, Purdue 5-2 and two at Wisconsin 3-4. and four. Normally, Aaron, this would be a no-brainer. You pick Wisconsin at home. I mean, right? Yeah. However, the Badgers' 15-game win streak against the Boilers is on very thin ice. As Wisconsin recently fired their head coach, uh, Chris, and the Badgers are real, reeling from recent embarrassing losses from this year and even last year. I think Wisconsin plays inspired football, uh, but this game should be a close one. I just don't trust Wisconsin's offense to keep pace with Purdue's offense, and I like the Boilers to win their first game against Wisconsin since 2003. Wow, that would that would be impressive. At seven o'clock, five and two, number twenty-four ranked Mississippi State. At six and one, and now number six Alabama. The Bulldogs have been a nice story in the SEC West. They upset Texas A and M, and I think in this one the Tide will be ready to go after losing that classic game against the Vols. Um, so I like the Roll Tide. Yeah, I like that bit too. Bama's gonna be so mad. Yeah. I feel bad for Mississippi State. <laughs> really do. <laughs> and it's at home for uh Alabama. Uh at eight o'clock, um the Big Twelve has had back to back weeks of really good games. Cause last week it was TCU and Oklahoma State, right? Mm-hmm. Uh so TCU gets another huge game on in, in prime time. Uh, Matt Duggan, uh, he's going to be a guy that uh, he has to play really well for TCU. Uh, he's a big reason why they're having a great season. Uh, TCU looks like an SEC school. Like if you were just look at them uh, close up, they're they're big, they're fast and strong. Um, Kansas State wants to run the ball and have balance, whereas TCU wants to spread you out and, and use a passing game to set up the run. I like TCU to beat Kansas State and to remain unbeaten. Aaron, there are eight undefeated teams remaining. Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan, Clemson, Mississippi, TCU, and UCLA. Which other remaining unbeatens will make the college football playoff? Ooh. What do you think? Oh, man. I think think I'm going to stick with Georgia and Ohio State. Uh, then I'm going to go with Clemson. And I'll, I'll pick TCU. I think they could they could run the table in the Big 12. 
Okay, wow. That's just my instant reaction. You know, before the season started, we all thought Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State were a pretty much a college football lock. I'm not sure I feel like as confident as I was prior to the season mm. about that. Uh, Alabama already has one loss. They needed to win out to make the college football playoff. Uh, Georgia had a two-week struggle against inferior opponents. Ohio State hasn't played anyone great yet. As an Irish fan, it hurts to say that, but, I mean, look at us. We're 3-3. Three and three. Um, uh, This is why college football is so great, because October yeah. and November, there's going to be some great games with college football implications, and I can't wait. We're going to take a short break, and when we return, we're going to talk about NFL and Major League Baseball. If you are enjoying our podcast and want to donate, please find the donation link in our show notes. Any donation, no matter how small, will make a big difference in helping us bring you better quality podcast shows. Welcome back to the Will and Air Show, where we talk about local college and pro sports. We're going to talk about topic number five, NFL headlines. Uh, The Indianapolis Colts uh, won today. Uh, at least on the, when we recorded this on Sunday night, uh, they beat uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars 34-27 on a day when Matt Ryan passed Dan Marino for career passing yards. It was his late-game heroics that has everybody buzzing. With under a minute in the fourth quarter and Jacksonville clinging to a 27-26 lead, Ryan connected on a 32-yard touchdown pass to Alex Pierce for the winning score. The Colts gave up 243 yards rushing, and Trevor Lawrence was 20 of 22 for 165 yards, but it was Matt Ryan's three touchdown passes that helped the Colts avoid a season sweep of the Jaguars and improve their overall record to 3-2-1. And And then the Chicago Bears played on Thursday night. Man, they come up short again, inches on the final drive as uh, Mooney was unable to come up with a catch down by the goal line inches away. But that wasn't the only chance the Bears had in this one. They had three red zone trips, and they came away with zero points. They lose to the Washington Commanders. I believe it was 12-7, to the final score. Another ugly loss for the Bears. Some fans were complaining about the ugly orange jersey and helmet combination, but I believe many more will be talking about what could have been in this one. If you look at the team stat comparisons, you would think the Bears won the game, but two turnovers and that 0-3 uh, trip when they went in the red zone three times come away zero, zero points. That's pretty much the stat of the game. Fields did make some progress in this one, but he did miss a few open receivers. And some of the receivers didn't really help him out in this one, especially in those key moments of the game. But Justin Fields finished with 14 out of 27 completions, 190 yards, and one touchdown, and one kind of interception that bounced off someone's helmet or hands. Dante Pettis, the wide receiver for the Bears, had a pretty good game. I was watching this one. It felt like he eventually would score a touchdown, and he did. He had four receptions, 84 yards. Um, Yeah, then another muffed punt that I believe is kind of the biggest biggest play of the game. The commanders took advantage of that, and they scored on the next possession. Carson Wentz threw a block, which was kind of interesting to see him throw a block. Um, Some key or positives, I think, is the defense, obviously. They look pretty good. I know the commanders aren't like a top team in the NFL, but Rokon Smith had a sack and 11 tackles. The young secondary of rookie cornerback Kyler Gordon and safety Jaquan Brisker both had some pretty nice games, so if you're a Bears fan, I think that's what you got to focus on. Really watching these young players, see if they can, you know, get better each week. 
only the de- the offense and special teams would step up, who knows where this team could be right now. Uh, obviously, even if they were good, I don't. They're not like a top team in the NFC, but yeah, not a great week for the Bears again. So let's look at some other NFL headlines from uh, the, this past week. Uh, Ravens mistakes late erases a ten point lead, and the New York Giants shocking win, twenty four twenty makes their record. Five and one. How about that? The Giants are five and one. Yeah, both New York. Yeah, we're going to talk about the other New York team. Dalvin Cook had 74 yards on a touchdown and has returned home to Florida as the Vikings beat the Dolphins 24-16 and improved to five and one on the season. Now, a failed two-point conversion by Tampa Bay to tie the game with under five minutes to go. Uh, proved to be costly for uh, the Buccaneers. Pittsburgh was able to run out a clock with converting a few first downs. Tampa Bay falls to 3-3 three and three on the season. Uh, Brees Hall, the rookie, rushes for 118 yards on a touchdown as the surging New York Jets, J-E-T-S, Jets, <laughs> scored the Packers 24-7 to in the second half. And can you believe it? The Jets are four and two. This this is amazing. You have the Jets and the Giants good at the same time. I don't I don't recall when that last happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. Steven uh, Seven Diggs had 148 yards receiving and one touchdown. Buffalo was up 24 to 20 with just a minute to go when Patrick Mahomes threw an interception. That would seal the victory for the Bills. Buffalo now is five and one. Kansas City dropped to four and two. Let's preview week seven. Uh, Sunday, one o'clock on CBS. You have the Indianapolis Colts, who are now three, two, and one at Tennessee, who is also three and two. This is the battle for the NFC South division leader. For uh, that is up for grabs. Indianapolis is slowly improving on offense. The Colts' run defense has to get better as they face a run-heavy team and their running back, Derrick Henry. And Monday Night Football, you have the 2-4 and four Chicago Bears visiting New England as they'll take on the Patriots, who are 3-3. Three and three. The Bears are 1-8 since 1987 against the Patriots, with the lone win coming in 2000 in Chicago. The last road win was back in 1986. Hey, I was born in 1986. That's 36 years ago, Aaron. It's a long time ago. (laughs) All right, let's move on to topic number six, Major League Baseball. Uh, So... When we re, uh, release this recording on Tuesday, if you listen on Tuesday, uh, the ALDS will begin. Uh, now, Cleveland and New York right now, as of this recording, the um, Guardians lead the series two games to one. And it's in the middle of the seventh inning with the Yankees winning four to two. So that seems to be true, then the Yankees will force a game five, which will determine who will, uh, you know, advance to the championship uh, uh, series. Uh, The Houston Astros are awaiting uh, the Cleveland-New York series winner as they swept the Seattle Mariners three games to, to zero. And in Game 3, that was a marathon, uh, 18 innings uh, to seal the fate of the Mariners. Now, in the National League, the Philadelphia Phillies stunned the Atlanta Braves three games to one to advance to the championship, where they will face the San Diego Padres, who shot the most uh, winningest team in all baseball, the L.A. Dodgers, in four games, three to one. Uh, I watched uh, some of the highlights of, especially that seventh inning, 
uh, the bottom seventh inning for Padres. Uh, if you're a Padres fan, you'll, you're going to remember that for the rest of your life. That was a, a stunning turn of events uh, as they scored, I believe, it was either like four or five runs in the inning. So, uh, congratulations if you're a fan of the Astros, Phillies, or Padres. Your team is still in it. Um, and who knows? Maybe they'll go to the World Series. Uh, the NLCS starts Tuesday in San Diego as they host the Phillies. And the American League Championship Series starts Wednesday. Uh, the Houston Astros will face either Cleveland or New York. We are going to take a short break, and when we return, we will talk about the NBA. Please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. That helps us grow the show. Also, follow the Will and Aaron Show on Facebook, Twitter, and subscribe on YouTube for updates. You can find your podcast links in the show notes. Welcome back to the Will and Aaron Show. Our last topic, we're going to look at some NBA as the season is here. It opens on Tuesday night with two games. Let's look at the Bulls and Pacers, though, as they are uh, teams that probably most of our viewers are interested in. The Bulls had a really good preseason going 3-1. and one. Take it for what it's worth, Will. I mean, this is a veteran group, but yet still have a lot of young pieces playing key minutes. They finished their preseason with the win over the Bucks, And this one, uh, Goran Dragic and Andre Drummond had a nice impact off the bench, scoring a total of 29 points. Uh, other key players in that game were Patrick Williams, who led the Bulls in scoring with 22. Fellow big man Vucevic added 17 and 9 boards. In the backcourt, Kobe White, Io DeSumo, and rookie Dalen Terry got the start. So the Bulls will open up Wednesday night in Miami to take on the Heat. Then they travel to D.C. to take on the Wizards. And then Saturday night, they're home to battle division rival Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, it's kind of possible they could start 1-2 and two or 0-3 with the schedule. But a slighter possibility that they start 2-1 and one or go 3-0. and oh. I think they have a lot of good things with their chemistry and continuity in regards to maybe like the Wizards or Cavs right now. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they start the first week of the season without their starting point guard, Alonzo Ball. It should be interesting to watch if you're a Bulls fan to see can they can they kind of build on last season. Uh, then the Pacers went 2-2 two and two in the preseason. The final two games, they won against the Knicks, and then they lost their last game to the Rockets. Probably the biggest takeaway I had as a fan is the rookie guard, Benedict Matherin, showed off his talents. He scored 27 points against the Knicks. And in that game, he went to the line 12 times, really put on a show. As a Pacers fan, I know I'm trying to remember this is just preseason, but I think if you look around Twitter and other places, the Pacers fans are really excited to see Matherin and the rest of the young players grow this season. Indiana opens with a three-game homestand. On Wednesday, they host the Wizards. Friday, the Spurs. And then Saturday, the conference and divisional rival, the Pistons, travel to Indianapolis. Like the Bulls, I think the first three can go a bunch of different ways. I think San Antonio is a likely win. The Wizards are a veteran team. Pistons are young, but a tough team to beat. Yeah, so I think the only team really trying to win, I would say, is Washington out of these three. And it's kind of funny, the only, these three teams combined for only two preseason wins. And again, preseason basketball is, I mean, it is what it is. It's nothing important, really. But I think the Pacers will start one and two and beat the Spurs. Um, and I think what I'm looking forward to in this first week is Jaden Ivey maybe matching up against Matherin, the number four pick versus the number five pick. As a fan, I was hoping Ivy would fall to the Pacers, but 
I mean, it's looking good with Matherin, too. I think it's been a really nice pick. We'll see if it translates to the real season here. The five seven four in the NBA. Not a great week for the local guys in the league. Uh, Jaden Ivey, although he did start all the preseason games, uh, he didn't shoot the ball well. In the final two, he went 7 of 23 from the field. Um, so it's, it's likely he's going to be a starter. I'm not 100% sure on that. but So he'll be playing. Um, Blake Wesley, on the other hand, didn't see much action. The final two Spurs preseason games. He got five minutes in game three versus the Jazz. Then the final game against the Thunder only three minutes. So I think the Spurs have been toying toying with their lineups. And they got a lot of young guys. So I think the thing to watch if you're following Wesley is um, see if he can crack that top ten rotation early in the season. And then even more, I don't know if it's sad, but kind of disappointing, Devin Kennedy got cut by the Magic on Saturday. Even though he'd been shooting 50% from three in the preseason, I guess they didn't see a need to keep him on the roster here. He was playing limited minutes, of course. Um, His contract wasn't guaranteed, so at first I was like, "Why, why would you cut him? And then... I saw that little tidbit here. So hopefully he gets another shot in the league. He does have the opportunity to return to Orlando's G League affiliate, the Lakeland Magic, to play there. And we'll have to see what's next for Kennedy. Thank you for listening to the Will and Aaron Show. Tune in next week as we discuss more local college and pro sports.